Hi, everybody, and welcome to the very first weekend show. Give us some claps, guys. Hooray! There we go. I'll add some <laughs> studio applause again, make it really, really thicken it up a little bit. But yeah, this is our first weekend show for April 8th. It's a Saturday. And probably, if, if you're like me, you've run out of podcasts already because you listen to way more than you should. And you're thinking, man, there's nothing to listen to on the weekends. But now, there is. You can yes. listen to us ramble on more and more. We're, we're <laughs> here to accompany you through all your sanding and furnishing and tedious weekend plans. Yeah. So with me, as always, I've got Chris Salamone from Four Eyes Furniture. What's up, everybody? And I've got Ben Ueda from Homemade Modern. Hello. And I didn't, I forgot to say my name and I forgot to do it during our last episode. My name is Mike Montgomery from Modern Builds. But let's not talk about myself because we've got something way more exciting. This week, for our very first weekend show, we've got the great, the one and only Izzy Swan. How you doing? Good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank yeah, you for joining excited. us. Yeah, we're, yeah, first guest, and we thought we'd start it off with a, with a bang and get somebody who's one of a kind and does really really cool stuff and cool you couldn't follow. get jimmy huh <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah he was busy this week so we had to go to a close second and no, <laughs> and izzy i understand you're just off of the atlanta woodworking show yeah yeah uh, just just off of it was just finished up on sunday and um it was a crazy wild event it was amazing and you're starting to do a few more of these sort of traveling shows now with your tool masters association yeah um <laughs> as, as few as possible of course um we're trying to make it to the big to the bigger shows and there's a few other sh there's a few other things we're doing some tiny home shows and um <laughs> some tractor pulls believe it or not so tractor pulls <laughs> that's yes. cool i guess it makes sense for the industry i guess yeah, think, yeah. For uh, some you know, for some of our sponsors, it makes a lot of sense. So yeah, right. And as, as an introduction, uh, most of the the audience probably knows Izzy from his YouTube videos. But one of the things that I think is, I mean, he does these awesome sort of mechanical woodworking projects uh, that are just a great combination of functional, whimsical uh, mixing of sort of engineering and woodworking. But one of the things I think that's really cool what he's doing right now is how he's sort of giving back to that sort of community by uh, sort of taking, putting on his entrepreneurial hat and create this really cool thing called the, the Tool Masters Association, which is a great sort of, I don't know, what would you call it? Almost like tech support for makers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's it go, Well, the rabbit hole goes deep with it, but that's definitely part of it. And it's a large part of it. So um, thanks for the plug, by the way, Ben. That's really great. Would you, uh, Toolmasters Associated was a really simple idea. Um, I, I taken, I've taken my popularity uh, on YouTube and approached some tool companies and said, Hey, um, if you'd like to join my Toolmasters Association, I'll advertise for you for free on my channel. Uh, in turn, you'll give me 10% that I can pass on or 15% or whatever I can negotiate, uh, pass on to subscribers to my Toolmasters Association. So be originally the idea was it was going to be some kind of a discount tool purchasing co-op. With benefits, um, the benefits being, you know, uh, a community of professionals that can answer questions, um, and also uh, classes, which actually was an afterthought. We weren't really, in, I wasn't really anticipating classes, but there's really, for what I do, uh, there's a lot of things that I could, that I love to do long form to really give detail and really teach a lot of the detail about, you know, um, jig making and furniture making and that sort of thing. So I thought classes would be a good way to do that, and it just so happens that the 
Toolmasters Association provided a forum that was really good for us. So that was kind of an add-on bonus for people who joined. And, and for me, as someone that's interested in sort of entrepreneurial activities, what I was so fascinated about it uh, was that it was, uh, I mean, a lot of people in our space do things on Patreon and things like that. And this was something that's almost parallel to that or with a similar intent about sort of support within the community, but much more in the hands of the creator. It's not just this transactional service. It's actually, you can build an adaptive community specifically towards what you want. Exactly. Um, And that was really its intent. And and, um, Patreon was definitely the, uh, the motivating factor for this. I I wanted something that was, um, that was a high value proposition for people to support uh, creators, not just myself, but I'm Ben and you and I have talked a little bit behind the scenes about this, but I'd like to open it up to other creators as well. Uh, and we're just starting to do that. You know, of course we're working on different reward systems for those who want to support more than one creator. Um, but the, the difference is this is kind of a flat rate thing. You know, if you want to support a creator, it's going to cost you a certain dollar amount. You you don't, you don't, ju- you don't get to pick. Right. Um, and the business model doesn't work otherwise. So, uh, it has to be the same amount for each, you know, for everyone. Otherwise, it's not fair to those who are coming in at a dollar and those who are coming in at twenty dollars. So exactly, right. Uh, so we're working on that, and we're working on different, um, you know, ways of, of so, you know, uh, in motivating multi multi channel support groups, and we're inviting more channels and more channels to come on board with the Toolmasters Association to grow their channels to help, you know, monetize what they do in a way that doesn't really require them to do much extra. You know, in other words, the the content's already built in. So you say, hey, become a Toolmasters member, you get all these benefits, and then you don't have to do anything else besides that. We maybe poke your head in the Facebook page once in a while and say, hey, guys. But um, so we, we take away that extra work that Patreon, you know, there's a lot of guys do with Patreon. Some guys don't do it at all, but a lot of guys that you uh, really, you know, rely a lot on Patreon to help support what they're doing. You know, they try to put extra content out. And that's, as you guys know, when you're putting out a video a week or a video every couple of weeks, that's a lot of extra work, you know. So right, right. we're trying to kind of take that away a little bit. And um, so far, so good. We had a, just a huge response when we launched and it's been growing really steadily. And um, of course, we're promoting Toolmasters across the board, television, uh, tractor pulls, IndyCar races, sprint car races, uh, tiny home movement, every, everywhere we can. We're really trying to get a community built around the Toolmasters Association. And, and um, that's why the wood shows. That's why all the traveling coming down the pipe. So That's awesome. And there'll be, a li- there'll be a link in the description of this episode on the podcast. If you haven't checked out the Toolmasters Association, if you want to, it'll be, there'll be a link that you can click on in the description from the iTunes app as well. So check it out. It's really cool. So, so, so Izzy, yes, we have some, we have some good hypothetical questions for you. We just, we just, uh, my favorite, <laughs> I love hypothetical. Well, well I, I want to get one really okay. quick in okay. because this is the one. So in, in our last episode that we recorded, uh, we were talking about what sort of tools, you know, if you had to limit yourself to, you know, three power tools to prepare for the zombie invasion, what would they be? And what would be your sort of general strategy of, of, of what you would want and how you'd go about uh, defending you and your family against a, a, a zombie apocalypse. Oh, that's, that's relatively easy. I would want a lathe. <laughs> uh, I'd want a lathe, you know, a pump lathe would be just fine. And I would, I would, I would probably pick tools that don't require power because of the zombie apop- apocalypse. So I would want a, ah. a pump lathe. I'd want an ax or a, a decent ax or a machete. And I'd probably want a handsaw. There you go. You're going off the grid. 
Yeah, or, we didn't yeah, even. I mean, none of us even thought have, about that part. I mean, the grid is collapsing. Yeah. I mean, probably. Yeah, if we so. have. No, that's, well, yeah, those are the sense. best three tools for making rudimentary weapons. So, right. you know, you can make a rudimentary weapon really fast with a, with a you know just an axe and a handsaw. And if you want to get fancy, of course, you can add the lathe to it so you can get accuracy out of what you're doing. So, I guess those <laughs> yeah. would be the three that I would pick. It's not bad. That's funny. It's almost like you had it chambered. Yeah. You were ready to go on it. I know, no joke. He said easy. <laughs> I think Izzy's been through a few apocalypses in his time. So. Right on. Yeah, so normally we start out the shows during the week with what we're working on. But on the weekend shows, we're going to kind of focus on what the guest is working on in the shop this week. So what do you got going on? Well, uh, the, it's really fun. These, these, these shows where we gather with a lot of woodworkers are more than anything else. It's just fun to, get, to meet people. But it's a motivator. I mean, it really fires people up. It fire, you know, It fires me up. And I'm... One of the things I've, I've lacked, uh, I, I've kind of backed away from is doing some of the really crazy jig stuff that I do. Uh-huh. And I've been thinking about this, this I build for quite a while now, and I think it's time to pull the trigger on it. Um, I kind of backed away from doing like the crazy table saw jigs, if any of you have ever seen some of the stuff I do <laughs> oh, on yeah. the table saw. Yeah. I bet the safety police really get on you for those. Well, sometimes, yeah. But, you know, I mean, there's a there's an assumption there that, hey, okay. this is an expert level thing. Don't try it. So I have one that's going to knock the socks off of anything I've ever done before. And I've had this idea for a while. And I think it's time to pull the trigger on it. So I, I'm building a wild off-the-chain table saw <laughs> machine that does something similar to what the ball blaster does. Only takes it to, like, the next ten levels. Whoa. So, oh, wow. <laughs> is it, yeah. It's, it's going to remain a secret then, huh? No, it's not. It's um, what, what you look at the bowl blaster. If you guys remember, I, I made a bowl on a table saw, and it was really yeah. a simple form build. And it may not seem that way, but it really was when you think about the geometry of it. You have a center form. So if you want to turn, a, if you want to turn a shape, and you, you simply figure out the geometry of where the center of the shape is going to be, and then you spin it in two directions. You spin it one way for the the drive, and then the, you know you spin it, you move it as a secondary mo- motion for cutting tool. And yeah. that's simple. I mean, you get a round shape no matter what. You know, that's that's just the way it works. Well, with this system, I'm using a series of what I would call, the, they're, they're the um, Archimedes uh, Tandrum. I'm saying it wrong. The, I wouldn't um, be able to tell you if you were. <laughs> right. It's it's the it's the it's the smoke machine, the do nothing machine. Uh, oh, okay. Um, otherwise, hmm. it, it's that that mechanism. Um, incorporated in several different ways to make it so I can take that same kind of form, a uh, a machine that sits on top of a table saw. It's got a drill that drives a you know a blank, more or less. But throughout a series of these, you know, um, traminals, I can create different uh, motions. So instead of creating just a circle, I can actually create an an oval shape or or uh, an elongated Voss shape. You know, yeah, just by just by setting these things up, you know, to cut a certain pattern when I basically pull the handle down. So that's that's kind of what I'm doing. And then, of course, I'm going to add other things to it, like the ability to put really intricate spirals on whatever shape I choose, that sort of thing. And so I can decorate it and make it patterned. That's awesome. That, that's what I'm thinking about doing. How's it going? Nice. Makes... Like, have you started it yet or are you about to start it? No, I, I've actually started building the um, the spoke machine sections of it. This is a test out uh-huh. how, what kind of, you know, what kind of accuracy I need to really... It has to be very tight. So, in other words, I, what I'm trying to figure out is how hard it, I can, how hard, how tight I can make them, um, as as opposed to what the pressure will be when I'm trying to pull down. How hard will it be? Because I want to, I want to have a lot of control over this thing. So I'm basically just testing pressures right now. Cool. So. Cool, cool. I got a quick question. So I just thought of this while you were talking. So 
not to put a negative spin on anything, but, you know, all of us get our kind of like trolls or people who will leave you negative comments. And for me, it's usually they look at me as like somebody like, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. I look at somebody like you as like somebody who's forgotten more about engineering things and woodworking than I'll ever know. I'd be interested, what kind of negative things do people say to you? Like, like I'm just trying to imagine somebody like coming at you with, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, when like it seems like you know so much. I wouldn't say that I know so much. I think what I do know is very specific. Um, you know, like what you guys do, uh, you know, on the on the social media side of things and the internet side of things is baffling to me. Uh, I just know how to build stuff, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, as far as the negative, I, ben, ben and Jesse kind of have this really interesting um, methodology when it comes to comments where they just kind of like just about anything, they'll, they'll just let it fly. You know, and they'll just let uh-huh. it fly, and unless it's just off the, you know, unless it's just completely off the rails, rude, right? They just let it go, right? Yeah. Well, I'm exactly the opposite. I have a zero, Same I have an absolute zero tolerance policy for this. There's no, yep. I do not tolerate anything, and I have probably close to twenty thousand people on my ban list. <laughs> so if you say something negative, I don't, I'd, I'd probably read half the sentence before it gets banned. So, okay, yeah. so you just see it and just psh, it's out of there. I do the same thing. I don't. I don't delete the comment. I just go remove or make it to where they can't even comment anymore. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, my my philosophy behind that is, you know, if they if they said something rude or or nasty that they well, didn't contribute to the conversation, they're more than likely going to do it again. So just get rid of them. Yep. There's yeah. no point in them being there if they're you know if they have. Now I'm all I'm all about critique. You know, I've had lots of guys yeah. come in and say, you know, that's dangerous or that might be, you know, that might be dangerous to show people, and I understand their concerns, uh, but. You know, coming from the background I do, an old school kind of background, I would say that, you know, again, we're all responsible for ourselves. And I do right. mention that you better know darn good and well what you're doing if you ever try something like this. Exactly. So right. um, it gets back to, you know, just being responsible for our own actions and be responsible for our choices. You definitely wouldn't, you know, if somebody made a video about a guy jumping out of an airplane with one of those wing suits on into cardboard boxes, you don't expect too many people are going to go try that, right? Right. right. Hopefully not. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of the way I look at it. And maybe it's not the healthiest method, but it's, you know, it's, it's I'm old. So. <laughs> I think it's a realistic way to look at it. But, no, and then you do get troll comments, of course. You know, anytime you do something that's out of the norm or that may seem, may be perceived as dangerous, uh, it is. But again, nuclear, you know, nuclear power is dangerous unless you know what you're doing. Yep. Right. Very so true. one of the questions I had that I think uh, I've heard you on, on a lot of different podcasts and on your various uh, uh, channels, but I think one and, you know, I'll, you know, I encourage everyone just Google Izzy Swan and or put that into YouTube and you'll see a whole bunch of awesome stuff come up. But now that you're sort of involved in this sort of other entrepreneurial activity, uh, specifically with power tools, I thought you're a really interesting person to ask is what do you see as sort of the future of of power tools, both in the industry and what's going to be available to consumers? I mean, we're seeing this thing right now where, uh, you know, there's we're seeing more and more digital fabrication things like CNCs and new things like that, but not to the point where they're, you know, replacing still table saws and stuff like that. What do you see sort of like five years down the road? What are the sort of trends that sort of catch your interest uh, that 
you think are sort of uh, uh, worth investing in or just, you know, or, or striking your curiosity? Well, I, uh, ben, you know where I stand on the CNC thing. I, th- I love them. I think CNC, 3D printing, I think the new technology of growing metal parts are all really just amazing technologies. And I think we should take them as far as we can. Um, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that creation never happens in the shop. Creation happens in the brain long before you even touch a sh- long before you even go in the shop. So whether you're, a good one. you know, a, a hand tool guy who's out there building furniture with a chisel or a, a guy who's just cutting thin parts out on a CNC, the end game is you want to build an end table. How you get there is, you know, the journey is not necessarily the most important part as a whole. It's, of course, it's important to the individual because that's what they enjoy doing. Um, but is that, does it make it more valid? No. I mean, the, the creation began in the brain. It, it happened in the brain and then, then we just, you know, it all just poured out into and became a, the end, the end thing. So, um, I think the, the, um, the CNCs, the 3d printers, the metal form stuff is all, um, uh, just another tool, just like yeah. a cha- just like a sander would be, or a table saw would be, um, how important is it? You know, some people that, love lathes see me turn a spindle on a table saw and tell me to go buy a lathe you know but of course that's what they would do they love their lathes and you know not that i have i like turning as well but it's not my i don't you know i don't rub it with diapers and oil it down at the end of the night either it's a tool to me so (laughs) i I was just going to kind of carry that on is i think it's kind of interesting that i kind of look at myself like i was about five to ten years I was born like five or 10 years, a little too early to really like take advantage of all this. Cause whenever I was in school, in middle school, I took a few years of shop class and stuff like that, but it's really transitioning now. And it's only going to keep transitioning into you're getting kids in elementary school and kids in middle and high school, like instead of learning, you know, shop class or, you know, some kind of industrial arts, they're all learning about 3d graph, like modeling things in 3d and 3d printing and CNC machines you know, at a really young age before they're introduced into traditional woodworking. So what I think is really interesting is the whole thought shift that's going to come from that, where it's in people's head, it's going to be way more practical, or it's just going to be there. It'll be just second nature to design things in consideration for the fact that it's going to be made with a CNC or some kind of automated machine. That's what I think is really interesting through it is the the thought process shift. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. And, you know, you guys will probably appreciate this. No matter what you do, even if you're doing a 3D printed part or a CNC part, there's still the manual, the tactile part of that afterwards. And that's the the assembly. That's the, um, you know, the fitting of all the parts. And so, I mean, it's not like you can just, you know, you're not just going to cut something out on a CNC and be done with it. I mean, the assembly comes later and that in and of itself will teach basic you know, uh, assembly that'll teach basic, um, you know, wood crafting or, or, you know, plastic crafting or whatever. So, yep. you know, it's not, you're not, you're never going to get away from that. Um, right. unless they have robots that can have the same type of manual dexterity that human beings do, <laughs> which I suppose is possible, but I don't see that in five years. No. Mm-mm. So, right. And then it's going to be a thing where the, the control interface will, for that will be so complex that <laughs> you'll feel like, yeah. right. <laughs> so to, to really answer your question, Ben, I, I know I kind of got off on the CNC tangent there and I, I think it's important that we, you know, kind of usher that in because it's something that's coming no matter what's going to happen. And I think the, uh, the more that, the more that it's accepted widely, the better off we're all going to be. Um, but, uh, to answer your tools, there's a lot of technology coming out over the next five years for just hand tools and just wood, you know, table saws. Right. And, uh, there's some new motor technology that's come, that's been just introduced here recently. That's phenomenal. Uh, new batteries are being introduced. Um, new type of technologies that 
make batteries last longer and more powerful. So, I mean, there may be, there may come a day when a shop is entirely, you know, there's no plugs anywhere. Um, so there's lots of fun stuff right. happening on the scenes right now. So I, I'm, yeah, cause go ahead. That's a, it's a, it's a, one of the things that I hear often from, uh, different generations of makers is on one hand, they'll lament how, you know, Oh, you know, it's hard to get a, uh, a bandsaw that was as good as some of the old ones. They were all made out of mm-hmm. cast iron. You know, now there's more plastic parts and things like that. But on the other hand, you see how there's all these developments that are making the tools more precise and more safe and things like that. So it's it's weird that you'll almost sometimes hear from even out of the mouth of one maker them both lamenting how things are getting better and worse at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, that that's why I wanted to you know sort of get the question for you is like. Uh, you know, w- you know w- what things do you think are sort of dramatically improving? Like, ha- like you know, in your sort of experience, because uh, you've been doing this a little bit longer than we have. Like, you know, how much better are like? Could you have done the sort of walking machines with drills from like ten years ago? Yes, <laughs> but I could not have done it with the bearings from ten years ago. So, no. Um, that makes sense. That, that, that's a really good point, Ben, you know, because a lot of the old form tools that were that were, you know, consumer old form tools were all made out of cast aluminum or steel or cast iron. And they were ridiculously heavy and just super robust. And you had to have the arm the size of Arnold Schwarzenegger to use a skill saw, you know, 25 years ago, you right. know, um, which those they're still running the routers that were you know even the small form routers that are 25 30 years old probably weigh as much as a small car (laughs) um so you know they're they're built to last you're right yeah exactly Uh, personally i'll go down to uh, home depot and pick up my bosch that weighs about a pound and i'll use that for four or five years until it burns out and then i'll go get another one um the thing we have today is more control, more accuracy. Uh, I'm not necessarily going to say our fabrication processes are any are better unless you go more higher, more higher end or higher form thing. But then also, if you look back at a skill saw that was built 50 years ago or uh, 45 years ago, um, it's going to cost as much as a table saw would today. If you look at the you know the rate of inflation and all of that stuff, so right, right. Um, yeah, you know, old tools are awesome, and you know. Yeah, so it's not dissimilar to like cars then, where it's like if you're in a demolition derby, you kind of want like an older car because it's just heavy and right. massive, but they don't handle nearly as well as precisely right. as sort of like a newer one. You don't want to do a demo derby in a Prius. Yeah. So that would. <laughs> well, they got the weight because oh, of the battery. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> They're so quiet, you're going to sneak around on everybody. <laughs> yeah. All right, do we That's have some uh, viewer questions? We do. The reason I played this one was because Izzy is sort of known, not necessarily as like a reclaimer, but you're really big into reusing and repurposing items. You've done a lot of really cool projects where you do that. So I thought maybe, I don't know, this question could kind of lean towards that, at least your expertise or experience with it. So Ben, go ahead and play it. Hey guys, Dubs from Australia here. And yes, I do despise the inch. Uh, Over the past six months or so, I've been addicted to watching all three of your channels, and that's because I've had an itch to build something, but just don't know exactly where to start. Uh, But knowing what to build and having tools aren't my real issue. The one major issue in Australia is uh, product availability. There's limited types of wood, limited types of tools, and if something's available, it's so damn expensive. 
Anyway, I do have a couple of questions for you all. Uh, one, how do you guys decide what type of wood you're going to use for different type of projects? And two, what do you know now that you wish you knew as a beginner? Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. So, yeah. Good question. I, I think that actually is emblematic of what a lot of beginners sort of experience is they just don't know where to start. Exactly. Um, for, and from my standpoint, like the type of wood doesn't matter. Uh, you can make anything out of anything. Uh, and then you learn later about the different properties later on. So, uh, and, and it's not also unique to being in a different country. In different parts of the U.S., there's different materials available. East yeah. Coast versus West Coast, North versus South. Um, yes, but I would say, hey, you can get a bunch of rocks, and I'm pretty sure they have eucalyptus down there. Uh, it's kind of hard to work with, and it'll dull your, <laughs> your blades a little bit. Yeah. Um, but definitely take advantage of the things that are there. And also, I'd say that the uh, I don't know too many designers down there, but certainly the architect that I would look at down there is uh, a guy named Glenn Murcutt, who uh, won like the highest types of sort of design awards by designing things specifically for that environment out of locally uh, available materials. Oh, very cool. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of things is, I don't know how you guys really started, but whenever I started building things, it was all out of stuff I could find. It was like, I was taking apart pallets. I was, you know, finding all kinds of materials. I wasn't going out and buying it. So I think that's maybe one thing as well is see what's around you, see what's available for really cheap or free. That way, when you do inevitably mess up, because, you know, whenever you start, (laughs) at least me, I didn't really know too much of what I was doing. So that kind of affords you the ability to not care so much about the material. Yeah, I would say kind of the same thing. There has to be something that's near you that's available and relatively cheap. For me, it was poplar. That was what was cheap, easy to work with. So the first couple of things I built were poplar, not because I loved the way it looked. And I might be in the minority for woodworkers, too, because I actually still am not that crazy or obsessed with like the, the figuring of wood. For me, it's more about like the shape and uh, geometric things. So I don't know. I don't obsess over that. So I would just use whatever I can get and and is readily available. Yeah. yeah. I agree with all of you guys. I, th- I would <laughs> say one, I would add to that, that, you know, the type of project that you're doing can also um, be dictated by the type of material that you have available to you. If you, if you only have limbs and twigs and stuff, build a rustic chair out of limbs and twigs. You know, yeah. if you don't, if you don't have access to plywood or, or the other things that you might want, um, there's always, uh, like Ben was saying earlier, there's always something you can do within the within the medium or the material that you do have available. So you know, you could let the material dictate the project rather than the project right. dictate the material. Yeah. The 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 one thing that I would say as a as uh, to beginners is that uh, is a little bit counterintuitive. Often for beginners, I think it's almost better to make big projects rather than little projects. So when someone starts out, they often try to make like boxes or little things because they think small is going to be easier. But small requires precision, and precision is the actual difficult part. I always say that for beginner projects, make like a bench, like an outdoor bench, something big and rustic or like a table. Uh, Because then it's like you have more room. The material is doing more of the work. And you have a little more room to work around the stuff, and things don't have to be aligned as much. So yeah. that would be Outdoor my sort of projects counter. Are good too. Yeah, my counterintuitive advice would be make something. 
big that doesn't require a lot of precision if you're just getting started. Yeah, I think also actually Ben's point works as a business model too. Like beds are something that you can sell for a lot because people are like, oh, it's a big piece. I'll pay a lot for it. Whereas something that's small and intricate, they in their head, it should be a lot cheaper for some reason. Right. Yeah, that's true. All right, we Basically got another got question. A eucalyptus. Yeah, take whatever your whatever your disadvantage is. Use that as your advantage. Make oh, a yeah. koala bear coop. <laughs> I would say to beginners, watch lots of YouTube videos, especially you know, a homemade modern and four eyes yeah. and modern builds. You know, you guys do great. You guys do really great uh, projects, and the thing that's about them is they're all designed so well, and they're not. You know, I wouldn't call them simple, but I would call them non, a lot of them, some of them are intimidating, uh, but I would call them non-threatening. So, you know, yeah. uh, definitely check out, you know, check that stuff out because that's really a great place to start is, you know, right here, right here with what, what you guys have kind of started with is, you know, doing YouTube. So definitely don't watch Izzy for beginner projects. <laughs> so. yeah, don't make a robotic kangaroo. Yeah. Yeah, no. There you go. No. Yeah, I would start, go, go get a big... Uh, log or stump of eucalyptus. Get an angle grinder. It's a it's a relatively inexpensive tool, and you can just get one start for 12 carving bucks it out. At Harbor Freight. Exactly right. <laughs> and so maybe you know with import taxes and stuff like that. Oh yeah, a I forgot more about down that. There, but that was one of his complaints. Dang. Try that right. Like get get an angle grinder. Uh, get get some sort of you know wood carving blade or even just flap discs. Uh, yep. Borrow a chainsaw and turn one stump of a really hard piece of wood into a side table. Nice. Wait, why? Yeah, absolutely. I think we're avoiding the easiest solution. Just move to America. There you go. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, you guys, exactly. you guys know that I use drills and everything. When I, and that there's, it's kind of a haha on my channel, but it's also there's some methodology behind it. Hand drills are available almost everywhere in the world. Right. Almost yes. yeah. everywhere in the world, you can go and get a hand drill. Yeah. So why not why not use that for a motor to create your own tools or your own jigs or whatever you want to do? So I mean, there's that's one of the reasons why I do the hand drill thing. But you know, uh, Ben, your business partner Jesse, she says something that's really really smart, uh, and it's one of the things that's really kind of drawn me to what you guys are doing. It's that, you know, she's, she gets up in front of people and says, if I can make this, anyone can make this, you know, and it's just, um, you know, what you guys are doing is you're motivating people to really get out there and try stuff. And, you know, not uh, the homeowners, the the people who really want to do this stuff, um, need, need that, that nudge, that push. And you guys are providing that across the board. Well, for eyes, your build, your builds are a little bit intense, but I still tell people if um, I can do it, you can do it, man. I I always tell people that I'm not that good. Yeah. I'm a lot worse well, than people you, think I am. One of these days, I'll believe you. Well, <laughs> the precision you, you you exercise precision in a lot of your stuff, and I'm That's you true. know and I'm not passing the song. I'm not passing judgment or, or anything. I'm just saying that with with Ben and homemade with with Ben and uh, Mike are doing, it, it's a little bit less about the precision and more about the design. Uh huh. And um, in your in your videos, let's, I see a lot more precision stuff, you know, and that's, that's that can be intimidating to somebody who's just walking in the, into the door right. of, of woodworking. But the nice thing about what you guys are doing is you're creating that, you're planting that seed. So hopefully, what'll happen? Your channels will blow up to like millions, and I'll get a little tiny bit of that crossover for those who want to, <laughs> you know, start making jigs and do some woodworking. And you know, so that's that, uh, you know, that's a great entry for everybody. So I would say definitely for beginners, watch more YouTube. There you go. There you go. Yeah. No doubt. Good stuff. 
All right, All Mike, right. you got, or uh, Chris, you got more questions? I, I do have we a question, actually. I got one. So, Oh, wow. Okay. I, uh, I was listening to you be interviewed on a podcast. It sounded like it was from a few years ago. And I, actually, I think the guys were from Australia that were interviewing you. Um, anyway. Well, radio station. Yeah, that's a radio okay. station. Yeah, I saw it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, so sure. you were talking about kind of your past life and that you had a company where you were making custom rustic furniture and then pretty much the company fell victim to the market crash in 2008. And so I know that was a few years ago. And so here we are like nine years after that and you've basically reinvented yourself and, you know, carved out a niche for yourself in, in content creation and everything else that you're doing. So I'm curious to know what that experience of kind of being forced to reinvent yourself was like and, I don't know, just what lessons you've learned in going through it. I'm a consummate maker or designer or artist or whatever you want to call it. Um, So I'm constantly reinventing myself over and over. Even with the rustic furniture company, I was reinventing myself. So that's, it's kind of, it's, it's comfortable for me now. It was a little stressful back then when there was, (laughs) you weren't sure if the bills were going to get paid or not. Um, uh, But, uh, you know, I think, um, I just learned early on to try things and not be afraid to try things because if they fail, you can always try something else. Yep. Um, so, and I, you know, I take the same approach to everything I do, um, whether I'm building a robot or building a folding table or building a box. If this doesn't work, this new thing I'm trying, I can always just try something else. So, yeah. Um, and, I, and that was kind of a, a you know a political way of answering your question, but that's um, <laughs> you know that's the best you're going to get for me today, I suppose. You know, um, I think that you know it just it's just a matter of I, I've done that I've been there so many times I've done it so many times that it's just um, it's second nature to me now to keep moving forward and to keep looking for the new better best, best thing, I suppose. Uh-huh. Just so. kind of not getting locked in on doing one thing. There's a lot of there's a lot of possibilities out there, I guess. Well, you know, I, I think Ben's a really good example of this. I mean, uh, you know, Ben's taken, you know, he's gone from a, a really great education to the architectural world, and he's doing successful with that. You know, and he said, "I'm not, I'm not. This isn't me. I want to try the next thing," and he did. Yeah. yeah. And then he, and then again, he he said, "Oh, well, this digital thing is cool and all that, but now I'm going to try the next thing," and he's doing that. I think that's part of a really happy existence is just always ever moving forward and not being afraid to try the next thing and knowing that if it fails, you can still do something else. It's not the end of the world. Right. And, and for me, a big part of that is where I draw my inspiration from. And like what, one of my big things that I always say is that draw inspiration from what's terrible, not the things that are great. If you, if you sort of look to greatness to find your inspiration, it can be intimidating. If you look just around you and see how much crap is out there, you can be, huh, I can make something better than that and therefore be a little more encouraged to get started. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly. Why emulate Why emulate artists that have 30 years of experience and have a talent that was, you know, just off the chain when you can when you can take something that is, a, you know, a bench and how can I make this bench a little bit better? That's awesome. That's a great, that's a, a really great um, a way to put that, Ben. Super smart. Yep. So. Right. It's like if, if I go to a really amazing you know, Michelin star rated restaurant, I'm not going to be like, Oh, I'm going to try to then cook like that at home. No, I want to make something that's like healthier than fast food and takes like better than Olive's garden. And like that, 
That I'm pretty sure I yeah. can do. Let's just make the hot pocket <laughs> incrementally better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Add a little yeah. Parmesan, there you right? Go. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 I think that's just the All right, you guys are, already did. You guys are making me hungry. I've been traveling for days now, and I've been eating really crappy food. So. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Couple fine. More Here questions. We yeah. Okay. This is a quick one, and it's for Chris, and it's one I'm curious uh -oh. about because I don't think I've ever asked him. It's a it's a one sentence question from okay. Sam Mosier. Let's hear it. Uh, it's Chris. What is your day job? I think it kind of follows suit with the question you just asked Izzy. Yeah. Okay. Um, what do you do when you're not building? I'll just to, so to keep it short because I don't want to go on on and on about it. Basically, graphic design and marketing in higher education. So it lets me be creative a little bit, but not enough to stifle me from wanting to constantly be building things. So, so I guess it's good that I'm not <laughs> super passionate about it. It's just kind of like what yeah. I look at it as almost um, what I have to do in order to let me do what I want to do. And, right. you know, I'm lucky enough that I don't have something that I hate that I have to do. So that's kind of where it's at. Very cool. Cool. That was something I was curious about. So that's kind of why I chose it. But here's a, here's a second, a little bit longer question that everyone can answer on. It's from Stephen Jarvie. I'm really sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Uh -huh. um, it's a little long. I'll kind of paraphrase. Um, it says, actually, I'm just going to read it. Okay. Gentlemen, I come to you with the latest in a long string of great ideas. Here's an unnecessarily long story about how it came to me. About three years ago, my dad purchased a used Shopsmith Mark V for me. Um, and he goes to say he tried to use it a couple times, but basically quit using it. Uh, a while later, he stumbled upon the fact that it had the chucks and all of the equipment there to really take advantage of the lathe capabilities that it has. And long story short, one more time, uh, his dad had asked him basically why he really didn't ever use it. And he said that it was basically, uh, he said it was because the Mark V is a beast and scary to use. Thus was born in my mind the hashtag uh, sawdust confessional. Maybe the audience can anonymously submit the things they're embarrassed to admit. Then the podcast can read the best ones and post them on the Instagram page, which I think is a really cool idea. So essentially the question is, what are some of the things that you maybe in the shop choose not to do? Because I don't know, you're unadmittedly scared of them. I'll, uh, the first <laughs> I thing, have one. Well, here, the first Go thing ahead. that popped into my head, although this is kind of different from it, but just kind of like dumb things that you thought if you go back in time a little bit before you were educated more, I remember I used to exactly. think that all furniture was made by basically like carving it. Like you would have like a huge oh. chunk of material <laughs> and you would just remove material to make it. Uh -huh. So it's like you were sculpting it basically. That's funny. Yeah. Mine, I'm going to, I'm kind of embarrassed about it because it still kind of holds true is hashtag sawdust confessional. I am way too intimidated and routers make me way more nervous than they ever really should. I don't know what it is, but big old like two horsepower routers get me so like, they get me so nervous and jumpy. I could see that. So I've, I've kind of eased my way into it. I got like a little trim router that I use now for 90% of anything that I route. And it's, it's got a small motor and it's quiet and it doesn't like try and run away from me if I do something wrong. Uh -huh. So I guess I'm kind of working into not being scared of routers, but that's one of the things that are like, I'm embarrassed to admit it, but hey, I, I asked the question, so I might as well answer it. <laughs> no, I, routers, routers can be really intimidating, Mike. That's yeah. not, there's nothing to be embarrassed about that. Those things are spinning at 23, 2400 RPM when they're fully, fully turned up. Yeah. Take it, you know, don't, don't be embarrassed about that. Take those machines seriously. Just, you know, 
I also don't fear them, just respect them. You exactly. know, and if, yeah. if you have to work up to it, absolutely. That's a great, that, that's a great methodology. Start with something smaller right. and then work your way up to the bigger ones. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think with that also because you can feel it in your hand. You can feel it like jerk mm-hmm. when you turn it on. So you're like, you know, the table saw, you turn it on, you hear it and everything, but you're not touching anything. So you don't like feel the power exactly. of it right off the bat necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you guys right. got anything? Any confessionals? Yeah, for me, for me, it's welding. Uh, welding is something that I know I should be getting into more. I really want to do more metal work, but it's something I just keep pushing off. One, because I know there's sort of a... There's a muscle memory kind of part that needs to be developed with the sort of dexterity and getting used to that, uh, that I'm just kind of dreading that sort of time commitment. Um, but yeah, that's sort of my, my hang up that I, if I was to confess something, I would be electronics. I'm terrified oh, yeah. of, I mean, I, I know Same. short form stuff, you know, how to wire machines and that sort of thing. And some basic remote controlled, you know, RF stuff, but like a serious electronics scare the heck out of me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, I'm, a, I'm a nuts and bolts guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. If anyone else, if anyone listening has some funny hashtag sawdust confessionals out there, let us know and um, we'll read them anonymously so you don't have to be embarrassed about it. But maybe we can do that like each uh, each weekend show. We can kind of pick a funny one that we think is good or something that's kind of like a learning opportunity or a teachable moment. Cool. So, yeah, no, I definitely like it as a segment idea. All right. Thanks, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, Ben, any questions? I think we should let him go eat. He sounds hungry. Yeah. And I am too. No. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, is he? Yeah, there that's the go. final question. Meal Let's get choice. a little bit hungrier before we leave. Taco Bell. Yeah. Uh, for traveling. <laughs> traveling is Taco Bell. What, yes. What's your uh what's yeah. your last meal choice? My last meal of choice? Before you go to the electric chair. Oh, dang. Yeah. Um <laughs> It would it would probably be sushi, you know, good California roll, shrimp boat, Whoa. you know. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The, the rabbit hole goes <laughs> deep with this one so. so Izzy, if people want to find out more about you and what you're sort of working on and what you're up to what's the sort of best place to go uh, really if they want to find out what's happening in the shop you know, right as it's happening in the shop I post, uh, I post a lot of stuff up on Instagram and they can find me at IzzySwan underscore woodworking um, or just check me out on IzzySwan.com everything I do is pretty much over there awesome that's awesome Mm. Anything else you want to plug? Yeah, you guys. You guys are doing an amazing job. (laughs) You know, really. uh, I'm, you know, I am continually impressed by not only your your designing abilities, but your video editing, the way you're really reaching out and getting out there in the world. Keep it up. We need you guys. I need you. (laughs) Hey, that coming from you you. is really awesome. I really appreciate it because you were one of the guys that I was like before I started making videos. You were one of the guys that I was watching way more than I probably should have been thinking like, oh, man, I should be doing this. So you were big. You were big like on the inspiration on getting me started. So that's really awesome to hear from you. Yeah, no, I mean, no, thank you guys because you guys are you guys are, you know, (laughs) no, seriously, you're you're motivating more and more people. And in in the form, the the type of form that you guys are doing, you're going to reach a lot more people than I ever will. And um, I mean, I I made that choice a long time ago. Uh, But what will happen is the more people you reach, the more people will be interested in expanding their skills. And hopefully I'll get a little bit of, you know, trickle over. So keep keep doing what you're doing. You're helping me. That's awesome. And, And and to the audience out there too, this isn't an, this little love fest that we're having, which is which is actually really common in our our sort of community. It's also not gated; like everyone's welcome. Yeah, you know, the I, I've been blown away. I mean, Izzy can probably tell us about how, like, 
he just came from a woodworking show and I was sort of following along on what was going on on social media also because my, my sister Jessie was there as well and I was getting a little envious because it seemed like what was there about like just everyone was just catching up, sharing, you know, uh, mate, you know, shop stories, yeah. hanging out, getting beers, uh, <laughs> having fun. And yeah, th- this it, is, it was, a, it this was, this is a really cool thing about what we're sort of connected to. And it's because we share ideas. Go ahead. Well, I, you know, uh, Ben, I'm, I'm a huge, huge, uh, advocate for community, you know, around, around the maker scene, around woodworking, around, um, this developing, this developing uh, world that we're, that we're all living in all, all four of us and everyone else. Um, so when you see these guys come together, there was guys, you know, Toolmaster sponsored, uh, um, a gentleman from to fly over from the UK, Jimmy page. We sponsored a, a maker from, uh, Canada to come down, uh, Jason McGinn, uh, NZ came from the UK. We had a guy there from Slavia. Um, yeah. it was crazy. I mean, there was 80, I don't know, 85, 86, uh, makers there, all YouTubers. That's insane. Well, <laughs> it was, awesome. um, yeah, it was pretty intense. Everybody's sharing their stories and, you know, shaking hands and just, you know, motivating everyone else and just pushing and, um, you know, just it, it's, it, we're a community and, and that community is symbiotic, even though many of us do many different things, it really is a symbiotic community. And, and the more that we share, the more that we, we learn to, um, promote each other, the better off everyone's going to be, not just, not just the creator's channels growing, but those people who are consuming as well. Uh, they learn more about who to find and you know what to do and how to do it, and it's just because it just becomes this you know this waterfall of awesomeness. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of community, uh, something I wanted to bring up is you know I think this has been a really fun episode, and I think it's really cool having guests. And like I mentioned earlier, we're going to try and do it if not weekly, at least on a biweekly basis. So Chris, go ahead and like who's our next guest since you were just hanging out with him? Yep. So we're going to have uh, Will Walker. If you haven't seen his channel, just Go to YouTube and type Will Walker Company, and you'll find it. I, it's not William Walker? It, either one will come up. He likes to go by Will. <laughs> I asked him that yesterday. Because, yeah. yeah, it's WM.Walker. Okay. Um, but, yeah, yeah that's true. he's going he's gonna to come join us. So if you guys have any specific questions for him, definitely send those in to us, and we'll make sure to ask him. Yeah, and, it, oh, one thing I did want to preface, and I think, I've, I think I did say this earlier, but if you're sending a voice message, try and keep it under, let's say, a minute. If you can do it around 30 seconds, that's even better. Uh, that way it just keeps the flow of the episode running real smooth. Awesome. All right, well, let's... Uh, ben, it's your turn to do the outro yeah, this so, time. Uh, Check us all out on our various channels. Uh, for me, that is... Oh, today I'm going to plug Instagram. I've been doing a lot of stuff on Instagram. So go to at Benjamin Ueda. Uh, just Benjamin and my last name, U-Y-E-D-A. Or follow the Modern Maker Podcast on Instagram. Uh, we, we're all... Uh, all three of us sort of hosts all have access to it. And we're all sort of posting different little things that we talk about. Um for the rest of the people, definitely Google Izzy Swan, as I said before. Uh, check out Mike from Modern Builds. And Chris, what's your... I always forget which one is your best handle. I would say, you know, now you can actually go to foureyesfurniture.com because I've updated my website a little bit. So you can find all my socials Ooh. there. But the best ones, obviously, you YouTube and Instagram is, is probably the best social media to follow me on. And Izzy, I asked, I asked Laura when she was on. If there's if someone doesn't know you, which I'm, I find hard to believe, but if someone's never seen any of your content, what video should they watch first? Oh no! Oh, I Izzy's think he dropped out. Chat. All right, well, let's just tell them which oh, video no. to watch. I would say the walking machine, <laughs> drill walking machine. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think that one's probably okay. got like the most like drop your jaw kind of factor to it. It's just like you you won't believe that this guy made this. Another cool one is that I or at least I thought was very cool was the um etch a sketch router. Yes. Yes. That That's the one I was crazy. gonna say. I love that video. That's basically that's so saying crazy. there's a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. Go check it out. Yeah, he's got a lot Go of yeah. very stuff that you won't see anywhere else. Very unique. So I don't know what exactly happened to Izzy, but we're sorry we lost your connection. Sorry you can't say bye to everybody. But unless anyone has anything else to say, let's go ahead and close this episode out. And we'll see you next Thursday on the Modern Maker Podcast. Awesome. Bye, Bye everybody. everybody. See ya. You guys froze again. Hello.